Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. Brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. Happy Throwback Thursday, everybody. Hey, everybody. Happy Thursday. How's life, Kev? Hey, pretty good. We spent a lot of time together the last couple of days, Rob. It's been nice because for about three weeks, we barely saw each other at all. That's so, so it's true. Not, it, you know? Yeah, we had some interviews today, everybody. We we chatted with, uh, can I say? Yeah, I, yeah, I uh, think um, so. Yeah, go ahead. We chatted with a great uh, uh, dancer, Barry McNabb, who was um, in uh, Dancing and my favorite, uh, Me and My Girl and the original Phantom of the Opera. Uh, I have to say that because the show is actually still running, which kind of rocks me when you really think mm. about it now. Um, but he, he, we had such a great chat. And then we also chatted with Beth Lovell today. And that was really yes, cool. Yes, how fun was that? Oh, my gosh. It was, uh, there were two really great interviews, I thought. The Drowsy really Chaperone fun. herself. <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing the whole she, time. Just I'm like... Jesus, Beth! Like, oh my God! Like, all you do is like one line after another. <laughs> just, just be prepared. I think it might be one of the funniest interviews we've ever got. I think so. She's so funny. Yeah. So yeah. And so, what did you see tonight, Rob? Well, you know what? Since the last time we spoke, um, I've seen a lot of theater. I saw um, the. Are you laughing at me? <laughs> yes, I am. I'm out of jealousy. <laughs> oh, it's. It, I feel like every night you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to see this. I'm going to see that. I'm. Uh, I'm like, Jesus, well, Rob, like, what the heck? Well, You're- listen, I live in New York City. I don't want to waste the moment. Amen. Not to quote, uh, what, oh, no, that's Take the Moment. I was going to sing from uh, uh, Do I Hear a Waltz. That was nice. Uh, oh, you know, who, well, boy. Speaking he has, of, sorry. who sang that song, Rob? I don't know if you know this. Who, who sang Take the but Moment? Sergio Franchi. That's so was, funny, Kevin, because guess fact, what? Guess not what? A, not what? Wait, what? Guess what? Sergio Franchi is right here. Hold on one second. Hello, Kevin. It was a long time since I sang it to you. I know, and I love you at the Coconut Grove. I have your <laughs> album, Frank, Frank, like Sergio. Uh, you're really uh, great. It's really lovely, the uh, work you do at the, at the Coconut Grove. Uh, How do you say it again? Un, un momento. Eh, co, uh, ¿Cómo se dice? ¿Cómo se dice? <laughs> oh, so Sergio has a little bit of an issue. He, oh, o- he only, okay. he, the only English he knows is the song lyrics that he sings. Oh, right. He just learns it. He just learns the English. Yes. And just speaks it like by rote, but he doesn't yeah. actually know what he's saying. No, so l- let me translate for him. Okay, uh, sorry. Yeah. Coconut Grove? 
A je se koke na krov. Mi ende imagina koka. Are doing a dog a fight. It's really good, Sergio. What's Thank that you. song from Dogfight that every girl sings? I don't know. All of them. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, the Lindsay nothing Mendes short one. of wonderful. Mm. Nothing short of wonderful. Nothing short of wonderful. As wonderful as the mac and cheese in a prime rib at the Harris Buffet. Don't forget, if you sit through my whole show, you get a casino a chip. Thank you. Well done. Well, you well see, done. We should, I shouldn't have brought him up. So anyway, no, I saw him. Yeah, so anyway, of course I'm going to go see shows. There's no reason not to. No, of Espe- course. Especially of with course. Tony's season coming up. I know, um, so why not Why not see the, the, the first show of next season tonight? And, I and mean, you, that's you, what I say. <laughs> and that's what I did. <laughs> and you know what it's like, Kevin, because, you know, you're involved in the commercial industry as well. It's the, You know, they put all the, the big shows towards the end of the spring. So Why do they do that, Rob? Well, they do it because they want to keep it fresh in the minds of Tony voters. It's the same way why the Academy dumps all of their real or why studios dump all their really good movies um usually in the december to uh february slot because that way it stays fresh in academy's voter the minds of academy voters you're more of a movie guy than i am way more and so that's something i never even considered that do you think that that movies are released based on when the award shows oh absolutely oh absolutely Absolutely, because I mean, I mean, take a look. So think about it. I mean, when is the time that you really want to see movies? It's it, I, usually for me, it's November, December, January, February, mm-hmm. and there's then if season. you notice, there's you know, if if you dump a movie in uh, like March, April, May, mm-hmm. that means it's pretty much the studio is saying it's a bad movie. Don't remember it. Then you've got all your your summer blockbusters, which are not going to get nominated anyway, because that's not what the yeah, Academy is it's into. It's just entertainment, yeah. Yeah, and then you suffer through September, October, November, and then late November moving on is when they keep things fresh. That's why if you look at the nominations for, uh, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, on the next show, but if you look at the nominations from the 2017-2018 season, a lot of shows that opened in the fall are really not being recognized this year. Um, you know, there's no 1984 uh, the uh, Michael Moore's uh, Parisian Woman. Uh, uh, I'm just trying to go through the the list. In no, my all head. the shows that I jumped on because I was like, I've got to get a head start on the season. Yeah, <laughs> and then none of those. Uh, uh, Marvin's no. Room. Um, and not. To, I mean, those shows that I'm mentioning all got well, mixed. Time reviews. in the Conway. Time in the Conway. Which still for the longest <laughs> about it, I'm still ruminating on that one. I'm an idiot because for the longest time I kept reading Time in the Conways <laughs> as Tim Conway. From the Carol Burnett show, and I'm like, "Oh, that's great! He's doing a Broadway show. Good for him, man." Um, no, so that's so that's why I've been going to the theater a lot because this is when all the shows are are starting to make a name for themselves. So I saw, um, I saw the Iceman Cometh with Denzel Washington. It was my first time seeing Denzel Washington live on stage. Wow. Um, absolutely incredible, boy! And it's not because he's a movie star. There is a magnetism about him. Yeah. Uh, that's just so palpable, and you cannot take your eyes off of him. And he started in theater. He started on the stage, too, to be fair. I mean, like, he started on the stage. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. He is a a theater creature through and through. But I'm hoping that this year the people will take note. Uh, David Morse, uh, who's an actor, who's been in a lot of film and television, starred opposite him in The Iceman Cometh, and he is incredible. I've always liked this actor. This actor I've always thought was very, very special, and I've always liked David Morse, yeah. 
Um, if you it's saw been a lot of movie stuff, he's he, yeah. he's that guy that you're like, oh, he's the intense agent that's mm-hmm. always the bad guy. Usually, I mean, absolutely, yeah. and his performance is brilliant. I'm we'll talk about this on the Tony Show, but I'll just drop it now. He's nominated for best featured actor in a play. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably going to go to Nathan Lane for Roy Cohn and Angels in America, and I think this year is going to be one of those the differences between who should win and who will win. And All I right. think Nathan Lane will win. And I think David Morse should win. And that's not a detriment, not a, mm. you know, a comment on Nathan Lane's performance, which is brilliant and towering, but there's something about David Morse that makes him so special. So I saw Iceman come with Denzel Washington. It was so fun to revisit it. Um, uh, then I saw Saturday night, I went to the York theater and I saw unexpected joy, the <laughs> new Bill Russell musical, Janet hood and Bill Russell. I love it. Um, which is uh, now I'm going to say. And who did the songwriting team did the uh, um, uh, elegies for punk rocks? Uh, uh, oh God! Elegies for for was it aging re- queens and oh punks Kevin, and David angels and, and elegies. Yes. No, no, just just type in elegies, not Bill Finn, and right. the, and this should come up for you. Um, no, really, yeah. And and that cast recording was famous because they lost some of the tapes and they couldn't record. They couldn't release the American cast recording with all of the songs. Uh, the London cast recording has all of the songs, but the American cast recording they had to include monologues as well. And because they some, I don't know the the real story behind it. And I remember being told, but basically it wasn't uh, all the tapes were were um, were corrupted, and so they that's why that cast recording doesn't have the full. Oh, score. I never knew Fun that. Fact. How interesting. Yeah. Well, let's see if we can get a, a complete recording out there. Uh, and how was it? Did you enjoy yourself? You know, and I'm going to say this um, in full discretion. Uh, one of my very good friends, who's a listener of our podcast, Amy Anders Corcoran, directed it, and it was oh. her, and it was her first off Broadway directing gig. So congratulations, um, Amy. So I'm yeah. biased, but I'm going to pretend like I'm not biased. Uh, and I'll take off my critical hat. It was fun and fantastic, and her direction is fantastic. But I'm going to act it. like I don't love know it. her. Even if I, I didn't it. know her, I would be like, what a, what a gr- brilliantly directed piece of theater. Because that's hard at the York. It goes to like 90 different venues, the musical. Oh, really? And it plays around with uh, chronology. And I always knew where I was. I always knew when it was supposed to happen. The characters were incredibly sympathetic. There's a they did really nice work because um, it's it's about uh, a a woman who's in her sixties who used to be part of like a hippie band, and her daughter is now very Christian and very Republican and very anti-gay and anti-this and anti-that, and the mom is now a lesbian, and is going to tell her that she's going to marry a woman, and what's and yeah. an African American woman. Okay. So it was I I thought that it was it's a, it's a lot of fun and I would not be surprised if we start to see this at like more regional and community theaters over the next 10 years or so. That's 5 wonderful. 10 years, yeah. I'm glad you saw that. I'm That's happy really to cool. see it. It's always nice to see a new musical. You're you're on, you know, you're you're watching something with absolutely no knowledge going into it and then tonight and ha- wait, wait, pause though. Wasn't Jim? Uh, Jim is our uh, oh, guest yes. this week too. Jim, so yeah, our guest fun is, fact: James yes. Morgan, uh, who was the the producing artistic director of the York Theater, um, that was yeah. He was so. If you want to hear more about it, I mean, or hear more about him and how the York Theater was formed, um, you can check out that podcast this Monday. This past Monday's episode. <laughs> little, Take a little listen. plug. Little plug. I like a little plug. And then today, oh my gosh, I I was so lucky. I had a two show day, or as the young kids now say, two doche. They've been saying that for years, Rob. Oh, really? Years. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. I'm so sorry. Is it copyrighted? No, I, I don't want to hurt your feelings. No, no. 
No, I'm just glad you. I'm glad you caught up. That's good. I'm I'm a little bit behind in the lingo. No, it's good. I'm proud of you. I just made my first your mama joke, so I feel like I'm I'm getting up there. Um, the, I I went to uh, Indiana University had their BFA in musical theater showcase. Mm-hmm. So I went to that, um, directed by one of our former guests, Rich Roland. Oh, nice! I love going to showcases. Um, yeah. It's it's something that a lot of our guests never had. When you think about it, because no, we've of, talked to many people that yeah. that was not a thing. You go to a college, and then they were like, "All right, go, bye." And for our listeners, really quickly, and if this, if you know what a showcase is, you can just skip this part. Uh, but if you are getting a BFA in musical theater, your college normally does a showcase in which they bring the senior class to New York City in the spring. You get to sing a song. Um, it's for mostly agents and casting directors, and the hope is that you leave showcase and you graduate college with an agent. All ready to go. Um, but they're fun. It's fun. It's fun to see lots of girls in jewel tone dresses and, and pumps and guys wearing a nice button down and smiling and belting their face off on Dear Evan Hansen, which was not what Indiana University was, by the way. I should have segued that better. Good job. That's not Thank at you. all what Indiana no, University was at all. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. Like no, the Indiana. opening number was like. <laughs> now this is going to surprise you. I went. I went with. Um, I went with one of our former guests, Peter Felicia, and this. We were talking about this. This was the third showcase this year that I've seen a girl sing. Are you ready for this? The Usher from the Mezzanine from Fade Out, Fade In. This is the. I've been assigning thir- that song so much lately. I'm so happy that it's being used. It's third, it's a good song. It's a great song, but third. Time this year. Third time this year. I was like, uh, the fact that I heard it once amazed me, but the fact it was three times is incredible. And then tonight (laughs) I saw um, the first show of the 2018-2019 season, and that is the 50th anniversary production of Mark Crowley's The Boys in the Band, brilliantly directed by Joe Mantello, and an all-star cast including Jim Parsons, Zachary Quinto, Mm -hmm. Andrew Reynolds, uh, uh, Robin De Jesus. The list goes on and on and on, much like the story, Liz Calloway. Uh, On and on and on. It was a wonderful production, It's a limited engagement of 15 weeks. I think it's pretty much sold out. Um, But I heard someone say recently that there might be tickets available on TVF. Who knows why? Um, But if you are in New York City and you can get a chance to see it, please go see it. Not just because it's a stellar production, but I think it's it's one of the most groundbreaking plays in the LGBT movement. Um, So... It's, on both sides, which I've I've enjoyed the articles about it because you know when it when it came out originally before the Stonewall riots, yes, say, it was it was heralded as this oh my god groundbreaking giving a voice to these people, and then after the riots, um you know and before you know and the voice was yep. heard, it became oh like overnight like dated like oh how dare they you know how you know it, you know it was almost like you in Andrew Reynolds like talked about it. I read an article about it how or no Zachary. Sorry, Mike, forgive me, forgive me. It was Zachary, uh, and, and it was like, he was sort of like, a, he was like, I don't know if I want to do this play because of the history, the negative history that has surrounded it. And I think it's so interesting that this guy, Mark Crowley, wrote a play that was polarizing one way, then the other, and then silence for all these decades. Mm. And then to have it come back and... and um, seemingly is still very pertinent today. What would you say? Would you say after watching it, Rob, that it was reflective? I mean, did it, is it still, you know, important today? 
this play? I, I think so. There are issues that don't go away because the issues are just larger than the gay culture. Um, and yes, there is a lot of stuff uh, that's obviously that's dealing with the idea of these men that are homosexual. Uh, but you know, our lead character is on a journey of self acceptance, and that's mm. and even though it's about his sexuality, I think that's universal. You can I plug, think so you too. Can, you can plug in anything else in that you want there. I mean, there's one couple in the show that's arguing over whether or not to have a monogamous or an open relationship. That's still a discussion that's very prevalent in the gay community. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff. Yes, it's a little dated, but I think there's more stuff that's life uh, that could be life changing for the right audience member than there is uh, life denying or being boring. Because the issue is, is that you know people have to remember before the boys in the band. Anytime you saw a gay character on stage, they usually and either they were a creepy villain. Or they killed themselves by the end of the play. Right. I right. think the boys in the band is one of the first one. Is, it's it, it is the first play that openly was dealing with homosexuality, in which every single character that appeared on that stage was gay. But also, it's the first I think major play where a gay character is not dead. Yeah. By the no, end of the play, no, they're just human. They're literally just talking and and dealing with life issues. Yeah. So I and so I mean the problem is is that the lead character is so self hating. Um, and a lot of the characters feel ashamed of their 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 love of men, but while that has gone away, thank God, for a lot of people, not all, but for a lot of people, the play should still be looked at. The play, if there was no boys in the band, you would not have had Lacage, love, valor, compassion, love, valor, compassion. Um, Will and Grace, Brokeback Mountain, um, Love Simon. All of those things you would not have. So I think I think the play should be applauded for what it did, and also the the play said we are here. We are a gay community, and we are here, and we will not be ignored anymore. And I do not find it a coincidence that two months after the play opened, the Stonewall riots occurred. I do not find that to be not linked in some way. Once, so I, I I think the play should be applauded. I'm happy it's getting a 50th anniversary. Joe Mantello's direction is brilliant. Kudos to this entire cast full of movie and television stars who could easily be taking the summer off, enjoying themselves. And the entire oh, yes, yep, yep. no, I was going to say, yep. and and probably making more money other places, but exactly. are committing themselves to telling the story. So bravo to them, and bravo to Ryan Murphy who's producing it. Oh, I didn't know he was producing it. Yes, so thank you, Ryan Murphy. And you know. Um, <laughs> You know, when you think of the legacy of what it was to do that play 50 years ago, um, and I read an article, I think it was in New York Magazine or someplace, that was say, basically saying that to be a, a, a you know, we, younger generation, and I cannot speak to this because I don't know what it's like, but to be a gay man in New York City and 50 years ago was a little different than today. Yeah. Um, and that, and that you, it, things are way more open and accepting. And like back then, you were much more quiet. You were much more... You, you, it wasn't even in show business. It was, it was not as um, open and accepting today. And the fact that they advertise it as being like all of those fifteen men in that show are gay, like d quite deliberately on their part, you know, to make sure, to, you know, yeah. that was a, that was in the article I read, you know, that they really. But that's that was a that's a good thing. That is a beautiful thing, and that is and and, and the fact that this and and I and bless those men who told that story fifty years ago and worry that. What's this? What will this do for my career? Will this do anything for my? I mean, Zachary Quinto. Like the article I read about Zachary Quinto in New York Magazine was basically he thought the same thing. Now, you know, he thought, well, should I be doing this play? Is this really, you know, is this too cliche? Is it blah blah blah? You know, am I going to pigeonhole myself as a film actor? And you know, and and 
I appreciate that struggle, but I appreciate more the struggle that those men had 50 years ago. And, Absolutely. You know, I mean, and I yeah. think the play is, yeah. I mean, no, I agree with you. One of the things that I think is a really great idea is the fact that I think it serves as a nice reminder to younger gay men and younger people in general, because, you know, the, the people, this cast All people. Yeah. is so popular with young people. And there, I'm sure there are people that are what, that are coming to see the play just because they want to see these people live, and the fact that they're getting this education about the fact. I mean, the characters talk consistently about the fact that you know they were getting beat up in bars by straight cops, and you know you have to be careful because the Vice Squad is out tonight. Um, it's what was it's, the Vice Squad, Rob? The, the cops that would go in and, and arrest people in gay bars for um, lewd acts, being, being and the lewd act being homosexual. Yeah. So I think I think the you know if this was you know they all all Broadway actors but if this was like regular Broadway actors and not these film and television stars I don't know if so many people would come out to see it um, and the, uh, the response the message yeah, yeah so I think it's really important and kudos to every single one of those people that's involved in the production if you can get a ticket I would suggest for you to go see it I shall try um, and I hope that come june of next year people remember this production which they might not because it's opening so because right yeah. <laughs> As we were saying, 1984. No, yeah. Doris Tom Sturridge. Yeah. Yeah. And the, well, I mean, these I'm performances really are it. great. And I'm so glad that you yeah. saw it, Rob. I yeah. I'm, I was happy to see it. I was happy to revisit it. And if you want to know more about the boys in the band, there's a fantastic documentary. It's not my favorite thing um, called, oh, shoot, Making the Boys. And it's, okay. a, and it's a documentary about how the play and then the movie came to fruition. And the nice thing about the movie, was, which was made a couple of years after the show opened, was it featured the original cast. So it's the original cast from that. yes, the original cast from the play in the movie. So you actually I get to see what these performers no were like. Idea. I, I I never knew that. Yeah, it's called that. Making the Boys. I it used oh, to be I'm on Netflix. Um, really? Yeah, making I thought the... about it making it a favorite thing pretty soon. Uh, but oh, I, well. I don't think I need to anymore. Uh, but go watch it. It's really fantastic. Okay. How about cool. you? How was your week? Speaking there was a lot of talking oh, from my end. I'm no, sorry. no, no, no. I loved it. Um, it was it, it was a it was a fine week making the boys. Just a fine week. Um, yeah, no, it was fine. It was a good week. Just I'm a trying to think if I had anything, anything exciting going on. Uh, no, I, I have not seen much. Um, my favorite thing ties into what's going on in my life, that my wife is leaving for a week to go oh. to DragCon, which ties into my favorite thing. So I think I drag awed over you, but it's yes, drag that, con. Um, drag con. That's yes. where the drag queens go to have yes. a convention and have a kiki in Los Angeles. You love oh, when I say Hey, Kiki. speaking of Kiki, really quickly, we didn't mention yes, what we... we have to give a shout out. Yes, we have to do what we did this weekend. Tell everybody. So Rob and I were the guests of... And forgive me for not being an old person and not knowing the exact name of what it's called. A webisode? Is that what we call it? A webisode? A web series? A webisode of a web series. Barry Brown, um, who has bear... uh, Hold on, forgive me. Let me just pull this up. Sashay Um, away with Barry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sashay away with Barry. If you Google that and... uh, Oh, man, you guys. Let me just... The first and foremost, do you guys watch RuPaul's Drag Race? If the answer is yes, then continue listening. If the answer is no... 
then I'm going to say you can just wait till later and just like tune back in in about a minute. But um, if you watch Drag Race, um, we were invited to go on Sashay Away with Barry, um, his webisode. And we um, you can Google that on YouTube. And Rob and I were the guests. Um, and for about almost two hours, we talked about uh, and drank and had some rosé and had a kiki uh, and talked about <laughs> um, the latest episode of RuPaul's Drag Race, which is the Snatch Game episode, which is arguably the greatest episode of any season of RuPaul's Drag Race. And so we were very honored to be on this very um, honored. episode. And we had a really fun time. <laughs> we had a good time. And one of my favorite questions, because I'm sure if you, you, you probably figured this out at least, that the drag queens, when they do Snatch Game, have to put on a different persona. Um, and so we had this year one of drag queen was oh Kevin Scott is rosé. <laughs> my wife just brought me rosé, so, so the rosé showed up. Uh, hello, sudden. Um, yes. Where's my rosé? Uh, but like we had a Maxine Waters, and we had a Honey Boo Boo, and we had a um, um, a Dorothy Parker. Somebody was Dorothy Parker, which I thought was was hysterical. Hi, son. Um, I thought it was very funny. Anyway, so the question came up though for Kevin and I: if we were to be on Snatch Game, who would our impre- who would we? Go as and Kevin it was, said it was a good impression. And uh, I s- said I knew what song I said I would do. A little you, bird by Annie Lennox. Yeah, and but I you, said I would be Elaine Stritch. That he'd be Elaine Stritch, and you would have oh, you, bird. That was, yeah, and, and you'd and have your diabetic kit with you. And, and I would have my diabetic kit, and I would rustle my bag during the most important moments of the snatch game, and pull the focus, and make everyone look at me, and and then do my diabetes shot, and then open up my shirt, and like pull out my you know chest, and like shoot myself with the which is very important. Many times. Like, and and uh, I, yes, and, and uh, let me rest assured, diabetes is, runs in my family. I appreciate it and respect it. In the middle of the serious moment of the show, don't know, but hey, you, you got to do what you got to do, girl. Because you got to be Elaine Stritch, and I, I came up with a new impression, oh, which I was did. very excited by. Although Kevin says it sounds a little bit like Tattoo from Fantasy Island, and I'm okay with that. And I said that what I would do is, and I don't think I'd get any points. I think I get kicked off that week. Is I would go as old Lucy, uh, not Lu- not I love Lucy, not but not when she's young, but no, like, no, no. In like, color, but like in color, post mame when she and has. Someone posted a clip of it too on yes, Facebook. Yeah, Rob. yeah, yeah. Someone someone posted, Morgan like, Sills posted a clip. Found like a sixteen-second clip of her um, being. What did she say? I, I just uh, so it my, sounded just like Herbie. It's, it did, but my feeling on old Lucy because you have to see these clips is at this point she's been smoking for a while and she was bitter that her other television shows didn't work and mame was a flop. So it'd be things like she would say. I think she was saying things like. Uh, <clears throat> Vivian Vance urinated on my shoes during the chocolate scene because she was laughing so hard. I felt a tinkle and I said, Viv, what have you done? And she said, I'm sorry, Lou. She always called me Lou. I'm sorry, Lou. I pissed on your shoe. And I said, Milton Burl's penis was so big. We used to call it the Big Dipper. That's what my husband, Gary Morton, used to call it. <laughs> oh, Rob. These kids today don't know from funny. You know who's funny? Isabel Sanford. She's hysterical. Oh, boy, what an actress. Oh, man. Hey, you might be going, who's Isabel Sanford? That's the woman who plays Yeah, Lou. that's what everyone's thinking right <laughs> that's, now. That's she, exactly that's what, what you, everyone's thinking. For those of you who don't know, she plays Louise Jefferson 
on the Jeffersons, but I needed a good, that's Scott Bay, oh boy. I haven't seen sex appeal like that since Van Johnson. (laughs) I don't know if you know this, but my husband Gary Morton and I saw him do La Cajo Foll at the Palace Theater with George Hearn. I couldn't tell who was a man and who was a woman. <laughs> I think Kevin walked away from me. No, I, hey, no, I already, I experienced this on Saturday, so I'm just like living it again. <laughs> but, but I'm throwing in more musical theater no, references. It's good. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. The last Broadway nope. show Gary Morton and I saw was the utter glory of Morrissey Hall. Boy, what a stinker! And they said Wildcat was bad. Wow. What's the wah? Okay, but remember in I Love Lucy when she would cry when Ricky would like catch her doing something? Yeah. And he'd be like, Lucy, you're not going to be interested. She'd go, wah. But because she's older, now it's wah. Okay. She's been smoking a little bit. Yeah. I got Madeline Kahn fired. No, no no more. No more. Who the hell does she think she is? (laughs) I should have gone with my first choice, Eve Arden, but I think she was dead. Think she okay? Never mind. So yeah, that's that's no, no, no. Please. (laughs) What's so sad is I normally just sit in the living room and do this by myself. (laughs) (laughs) You know what's funny is that I believe you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. So anyway, you you don't. I don't think you'd have to walk Uh, sashay away with Barry now because I did. No, you don't. You guys just experienced it actually. So you're welcome. And if anyone's got those Lucy sunglasses, please send them to me because I think I'm going to be creating a character out of it. Don't send them to me. and, and I will hold them and release them <laughs> when it's appropriate. <laughs> like a, I'm like a sad child. Um, now let's go. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. You said your wife was no. going out. She was going off to DragCon because. Oh, no, and no, this no. is this is your favorite uh, thing. Segue to my favorite thing. Yes. yes so let's yes. get. To, yes. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So um, we... Sutton. <laughs> We're just half an hour in. No, it's fine. It's fine. We still have a good, what, two more of these? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'll come back to something in a minute. Um, my favorite thing is Pirate Jenny. The song? If I say pi- Pirate Jenny, yeah. Does that mean anything to you? From Three Penny Opera. Three Penny Opera, written in 1928. Many, many, many great women have written it. And I want to start with the song itself, and then I'm going to segue to what Sutton's going to do and who she's working with. But um, uh, it it is – the song itself, if you guys remember, it's like da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. It's a very Kurt Vile song. Bertolt Brecht. It's it's about a woman who's basically she's a, a, a kind of a lowly maid working in a crummy, you know, crappy hotel, 
and um, she toils the day away, slaves the day away, works so hard for all these people that pay her, um, and and they don't really appreciate her. And then so in her fantasy, a black ship comes along of pirates, you know, to this harbor town and destroys all of the people. And she fantasizes of what it will be like to get rid of all these people, that the black ship will come with, you know, the sails and the 50 guns, and, and then they'll bring all the people and she'll say, like, you go, you go. It's like that fantasy we all have of like feeling like we're the most powerful person. So if you, if you Google my friends, uh, you can literally, there's a great black and white clip of Lada Lenya, who is Kurt Vile's uh, wife, uh, L O T T E L E N Y A. She was also, you know, Fräulein, uh, Schneider. 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 Yeah. in the original cabaret. And she, I mean, we're talking, she literally lived through it. (gasps) So you watch her, when you watch her sing it, there's depth. I would suggest watching B. Arthur. B. Ar- a younger B. Arthur. But there's a great clip of B. Arthur in from like, uh, gosh, like 2000. She's still, she's still like really spot on. She got her real hair. Very, qui- very quickly yeah. on, on that. Oh, I know, um, I know that you know a little something about B. Arthur. Because she did, she played Pirate Jenny in the revival. At, Correct. S- at some point. And also, uh, this was, it was, she sang it in her one woman show, B. Arthur, just between Correct. friends. Correct. And in this and clip, it's actually her doing, mo- unlike most of the songs she did in that one woman show, which I saw, uh, she actually sings almost the full song. Because <laughs> if you remember, Rob, she basically was like, I should have had 50% of him. You're like, where's the rest of the song? Like, why aren't you singing? Did she only do like a verse or so? Is that what you're telling? Yes, she She would like do the chorus. And she was like, and that was one of my favorite songs. Yeah, she did. The first verse. It was like a minute and a half of every song. And then if you remember at the end of 50%, she goes, uh, 50%. Um, stop it, all, stop it. Um, anybody else at all. Because <laughs> she never held out a, another, she never me. held out a last note. You've ruined every single YouTube clip I've but ever. But you know it's true. She does not hold out a final note. Very, very, at all. very quickly. Kevin and Do I it. saw an audition Do recently. Do it. Uh, where somebody sang. Do somebody, it. Somebody sang. Do it. What was it? Was it Stars in the Moon? I was playing the piano. No, Rob. I'm not afraid. <laughs> we were. T- no. And I. What was it? It was. I'm was not afraid a, of anything. It was an epic song. Yes, it was a Jason Rubber round, and I'm playing. I'm like going to town playing this song on the piano. I love playing this song on the piano. And the end of it's like, I, <laughs> I, I'm not afraid. Wait, wait. No, I'm not. Yes. And then it's like, afraid, silence. And then the piano comes in, right? So you're holding afraid. It's like, afraid. And it's like, do, 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 do. What does she do? She goes, I'm not afraid. And I was like, do I... Do I play? Should I keep playing? Do I just end it? What do I do? do I, I, I texted do, Kevin. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I said, how'd you like that B. Arthur ending? <laughs> I lost it, guys. I lost it. Because uh, she just doesn't like to hold out a last note. Oh, oh man. So is, so is Pirate Jenny okay. your favorite thing? So I so I went through Lotalenia, I went through B. Arthur. Uh, Nina Simone also oh, yeah. does an amazing version of Pirate Jenny. But the one I would like to talk about is the one that came out about five days ago. And that is by the winner of RuPaul's Drag Race season nine, uh, Sasha Velour, released the first of what's going to be six videos um, that are um, – uh, she's calling them um, sort of um, artistic uh, 
it's or the production company or whatever is called One Dollar Drag, and it's a six-part short film about drag. And this first part is called Pirate Jenny. So if you Google, we'll post it. Sasha Valor, Pirate Jenny. It's the, literally the first thing that will come up. It's it's captivating, Rob. It is literally the entire wow. song Pirate Jenny. Um, and kudos to her music team and the guy that she has doing the music because he it is an exact replica of all the other versions you've ever heard. But Sasha has rewritten some of the words. Not in that cheesy way that when you rewrite stuff and you're like, oh, it's clearly not the way it was supposed to go. No, the rhymes aren't obvious and it's it's just it's just truthful. But she, instead of making it about a lowly maid who's trying to like entertain, you know, rise above it's about a drag queen and how all these people expect so much from them and you know want them to be the clown basically like you know smile be you know do all these things and it's basically and one of the lyrics is i have to read it to you because i it was just so brilliant but basically it's saying that you know you may well, she says in the lyric, um, you're gawking. Maybe you tip me and it makes you feel cool in this boring little town. I'm just your little fool. But you couldn't guess who you're talking. You couldn't guess who you're talking. And that's the, you know, da, 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 da. You know, it's brilliant. It's so brilliantly done. But it's so, it's it's a really beautifully shot seven-minute video. And it's all black and white. And it's all Sasha giving you, like, Total Sasha realness, um, and it's stunning. But um, I, I, I just think it's a really cool. I love that Sasha chose of her one of her first major videos to put out there is not only a musical theater homage and parody, but it's it is if you didn't know anything about musical theater, you'd say, oh, this is really cool. It's really weird. I expect that from Sasha. But if you know musical theater, you would say, holy shit, she totally honored. All the other people that have done this before, she's honoring the idea of the song and she's representing it in such an honorable way. And that that the original Jenny Driver from 70 because the uh, Three Penny Opera is based on um, the Beggar's Opera by John Gay, which was like from the 1700s. So, I mean, this is like one of the earliest operas that were ever written, popular opera. And so I just love that Sasha chose that. And so to tie it all together, Sutton is leaving on Thursday to go to DragCon to assist Sasha. I mean, uh, literally it's self-serving, but this video was so special that I thought I have got to talk about it. It's so cool and weird and wild. And and I want you all to watch La Delenia, B. Arthur, and Nina Simone as well. That appreciate this song. That this 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 man who lived in Germany in a time that he didn't he knew very little about musical theater the way that we know it today. And yet we are still in our present day, this is a piece that we are still using as a social commentary. Come on. Good job, Kurt Weil and Bertolt Brecht. Like good job. That's really cool. That's, good job, Sasha, for that idea. You that's know, to bring incredible, it. Kev. Yeah. So, this, yeah. so your favorite thing this week is the song "Pirate Jenny." Pirate Jenny, and specifically, as done by Sasha Valor, the drag queen, and Lada Lenya, B. Arthur, and Nina Simone. Just check out those versions. It's a pretty cool song, and um, once you get tired of that vamp, you can you'll put it away. But it, it's it's worth it, and it's really special. And I didn't quite get the song until now. That's amazing, Kev. Yep. Yeah. What, yeah. Well, yeah, I think that's great. I don't think we've ever done a song before as a favorite thing. Not like that, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Okay, so Pirate Jenny, we've got three different Pirate versions Jenny. of Pirate Jenny to look at. Yeah. yeah, I love it. What do you got, Rob? Oh, so okay, so mine is a book, um, and I think I had mentioned this uh, on the uh, the podcast a little bit ago. I'm, I'm, God, 
booked and blessed, as the young kids say, or hashtag booked and blessed, as the young kids say. This uh, this summer, I'm directing uh, three shows. Brag. Brag. Uh, brag. brag. I was like, brag. Um, no brag, though. I, I'm, I love this. So, um, and, and I'm also doing uh, three concerts at 54 Below, so it's going to be a very busy... Summer and what are they? What are they all? What are the concerts and what are the shows? Oh, very quickly. So the shows are going to be the Drowsy Chaperone at Priscilla Beach Theater. Um, I love um, uh, uh, Wonderful Town at uh, College Light Opera Company in Cape Cod. Um, it's Bernstein Centennial, um, and we are doing the show with the full orchestra. Thank you very much. How cool oh, is that? Love uh, that. I know. Um, and then I'm doing I Love You, You're Perfect, Now Change uh, at the Millbrook Playhouse in Pennsylvania. And this is actually a revised and updated version of the show. And I think we're the first theater to be doing the new version, which will be exciting. So it'll be a regional premiere awesome. of, of the updated version, which is great. Um, and then the concerts are in no particular order. Uh, in July, uh, we're doing the 40th anniversary of UB, which is uh, a musical that celebrated the music of UB Blake. And that's going to be uh, with a lot of the original cast in it. Um, we're oh, doing, wow. Yeah, which is great. We're doing something called Billboard by the Year 1988, in which we sing the most popular songs from that year, which will be lots of fun. Get ready, because I'm going to sing I Want to Dance with Somebody um, by Whitney Houston. Uh, I might be doing it while the audience is leaving, but it will happen. And then um, in August, I'm very excited. I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast yet, but maybe we have. Um, we are doing the 40th anniversary concert of Stephen Schwartz and Mickey Grant and James Taylor and Lin-Manuel Miranda and everybody and their mothers uh, working. The 40th anniversary of working. Working, yeah. Uh, I'm and Studs Turkles. And Studs Turkles working. I'm directing and producing it. Kevin is music directing it. Um, the cast so far, we haven't announced anybody yet, but I'll give you a little sneak peek right now. Um, it's going to be uh, Jay Armstrong Johnson and Dee Hody and Will Chase um, and uh, 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 maybe Harvey Evans, the great Harvey <laughs> Evans, uh, who's been in like 90 million Broadway shows. West Side Story. Uh, West Side Hello. Story. Oh, my God. Um, and uh, Stephen Schwartz is going to sing as well, and I will be the man himself. Yes, and we'll be announcing more people uh, shortly as they confirm with us. Uh, but that's uh, that's what our August is going to be, our fortieth anniversary. That's and so then, exciting. Yeah, and then obviously September we're going to have ballroom. Um, obviously, and Golden Rainbow. We'll talk about that later on. But going back to my main point, sorry, we're all over the place tonight. Forgive me. Um, is uh, because I re I never realized this until yesterday. Anytime I direct a show. I seem to pull out the same book to read on directing over and over and over again. And it just dawned on me. I said, well, this should really be a favorite thing because every time I'm about to direct a show, I, I pull out this book. Um, the book, The book is from 2000. And the book is called The Showmakers. Um, it looks academic. Um, it isn't, actually. It looks oh. academic, but it isn't. Um, it's called The Showmakers, Great Directors of the American Musical Theater. Um, and it's from uh, the year 2000. Um, and it's written by a, go by a goy, by a guy named Lawrence... Oh, God, I hope I can pronounce this last name correctly. Thelen, T-H-E-L-E-N, Lawrence Thelen, or Lawrence Thelen. Thielen? Hmm. I don't know. I'm so sorry, Lawrence. My my sincerest apologies, but I'm plugging your book, so don't complain too much. Um, the, the <laughs> this is, so anyway, the, like I said, the book is called The Showmakers, the great directors of um, the great directors of the American musical theater, and. What he does is, is he sits down with a group of directors, individual interviews, and just 
asks them a bunch of questions about their process. Um, uh, who likes table work? Who doesn't like table work? Um, what are the most important things to have in the rehearsal room? How do you like the rehearsal room? Um, and it's directors walking through their process and their shows. And the directors he interviews are uh, actually some names that we know at this point. Uh, Martin Charnin, Graziella Danielle, James Lapine, Arthur Lawrence, Richard Maltby Jr., Des Mackinoff, Mike Ockrent, uh, Tom O'Horgan, Harold Prince, uh, Jerome Robbins, George C. Wolfe, and Jerry Zaks. And what's really interesting is is that this is the la- this was the last known interview that Jerome Robbins gave. So you have that aspect. Incredible, incredible, um, incredible. I had no idea this existed. Yeah, and then um, you know Mike Ockrent uh, left. Ver- you know, passed. I think very soon after the book was published. So this might also have been Mike's last interview as well. And we talk about Mike Ockrent a lot because he was His this name comes up a lot. Really fabulous director who left us way too soon. Um, but they all talk about collaborations with choreographers, designers. And the nice thing is I don't think anyone ever says the same thing twice. Um, while somebody is like, I love table work. I need table work. You have another director who says, I hate table work. You have directors right. who say, I have to go in and know... Uh, where everyone is going to move at all times and other directors who say, uh, I don't care at all. I don't paper block. Right. So it's just a nice little reminder of some really valuable tips from directors that, you know, if you're a director, one of the hard things is, you know, if you're an actor, you can wa- you get to watch other actors work and you get to watch their process. If you're a director, you don't get to watch other directors work. You get to see, see their work but you don't get to watch it mike nichols once said he goes he goes i feel like directing is making love um he goes you don't know how the next guy is doing brilliant and you're always worried that you're not doing it as well as him brilliant and so i was like yeah that's that's kind of an accurate statement so the nice thing about this book is is it takes you into the room and you get you really do feel like you're there watching these people work um and you know there's some tips that are marvelous and then there are some tips that you're like I'm going to okay, get rid of it. Throw it away. There's, it's inter- it was, I find interesting a lot of times, there's a lot of directors in here who, how they articulate their, their style of directing is not at all what you see on stage. Isn't that interesting? And right? I find that interesting. The, yeah. one, the one downside of the book, just to be honest with everybody, is there's, well, actually, there's three downsides, but those are minor, I think, compared to what the book is trying to do, is unfortunately, the only woman here is Graziella Danielle. There's, I mean, there really. I mean, there's no other women direct. Uh, what's sad is, is that I don't think there really were a lot of f- female directors in 2000. Luckily, right. now the numbers are increasing. We can still do so much better, but the numbers are increasing. Um, Graziella, to be fair, should be what more well known. Can we just say that out loud? Oh, I absolutely. Graziella should be truly. The, her artistry is 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 out of this world. I, I just had to say that out loud. Uh-huh. I, it, it, she's so special, and the man. I mean. We're going to pause here, but she's married to a really well-known uh, designer. Oh, I didn't know that. That I did not know. While you're while you're looking up his name, I'll keep going. Um, but yeah, so Graziella Danielle is our only woman, and unfortunately, George C. Wolf is our only uh, you know director of color in here. And uh, he actually talks about that a lot in in his directing style and why he's interested in musicals and why it took him a long time to get into musicals uh, because he felt so marginalized. Uh, like I, wow. and and the and the third part is is you know there's really no, I mean you have Lawrence and you have. 
Oh, actually, no. Actually, no. My third point is kind of moot. I was going to say there's not really a lot of Golden Age people in here, but there is some Golden Age people. So anyway, um, I don't know if he ever plans on writing a sequel to the book, but I think that would be a fantastic idea because it would be great to see in the past 20 years or so who else has emerged right. into the arena and who else's tips we'd like to hear. <laughs> Jules Fisher. Oh, she's married to Jules Fisher. <laughs> yes. I didn't know that. I'm so yes. stupid. I'm sure listeners no, that's were a good screaming one. That's that at a us. Really I, didn't good one. I mean, come on. I mean, like, that's, yeah. That's great. He's He found the light in her heart. He lit up her heart. <laughs> How do you do that so fast? I, you a... know, it took me a while on that one. Um, uh, no, Rob, um, I'm. when was it written again? 2000. 2000, yeah. Yeah, it's. I, so I mean, I, oh, go ahead. Did he? It was. They're, they're all interviews, correct? Yeah, I mean, he does. It's not like it wasn't like he was in the rehearsal hall and he's notating what he saw no, them doing. No, it's, he, it's him talking to them. So it's no, it's your only the director's point of view of what they saw. Ex- yes, exactly. I'm so not saying that's a bad. Yes, thing. I'm just exactly, saying it exactly, is only exactly. The eyes of how, what they're like, and this is what I did, and this is what I did. Yeah, there's no, there's no alternative commentary on it. So, I, and what's interesting is, is you know, there are a lot of specific examples in there. Like he sits down and asks Jerry's ex, "What was it like when you had to fire um, Sarah Brown in the revival of Guys and Dolls during previews? Oof. And why did you fire her? And how do you, how do you how do you do that?" Wow. Can't believe he asked that. We don't ask that. Um, and they he ex, he explains it in here, um, you know. Cool. And uh, I'm trying to think of some other great examples. I mean, Richard. Did Mal- you? Yeah. Oh no, go ahead, please. Did you? What did you? What did you learn as a director from it? Besides the fact that there's not one right way of doing it. I mean, the one thing that seems to just carry across in all of them, even though they all come about it in different ways, is a clarity of storytelling. And I think the, the the big thing that you have to remember as a director is, is it's it's a story being told to people. It's not insular. It's not you and your cast and you're doing it and only if you get it, it all makes sense. You know, you're doing it for the benefit of an audience and an audience has to follow the story. There can be ambiguity and there can be purposeful confusion, but you have to remember at the end of the day, there is a group of people that are that need to learn something, that need to be educated, that need to laugh, that need to cry. And any decision that comes in the, out of that rehearsal room should always be, is this helping our audience in our mission? I think yep. that has to be priority number one. And they all pretty much say that in some way, yeah. shape, or form. And I think there are a lot of directors out there today, uh, I don't want to, uh, this isn't sounding bitter, which I think that they... I think that's an element that's forgotten, that there is, a, there is an audience that is watching it, and they need right. to understand what is happening in terms of the clarity of the storytelling. There is some brilliant... I mean, watching Joe Mantello... Joe Mantello, I think, is just a brilliant, fantastic director. Um, I think Liesl Tommy is... Uh, she's why? She, why, why, is, why is he a brilliant, brilliant director? I think because as an audience member, you have a clear understanding of everything that is supposed to be happening on that stage. The same with Liesl Tommy. The same with uh, Rachel. Um, oh, jeez. Oh, damn it. Teichman? Oh. Yeah, Rebe- Rebe- Rebecca. Is it Teichman? Rebecca Teichman? Who did Indecent? Yes. Rebecca Teichman. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard Teichman. Yeah, I've Dan heard. Sullivan. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might not always agree with what you're seeing. But it's clear, and you know that the story is being told for you. Mm, you tr- As opposed yeah, to, I'm going to, I'm going to, good I'm, hands. Geez, I, I hope, oh God, I hope this doesn't sound negative. There's a lot of directors today in musical theater who I think, who came from the world of choreography, and the idea is, is to keep everything as busy as possible. And I think a lot of times, 
the story is lost. Um, I will not say who this is because I, I just will not say who this is. But there's, but I know there are some choreographers that are working today that if an actor says, "What's my motivation?" they sort of roll their eyes and go, oh, "Can you believe they asked me that?" <laughs> they give the old George Abbott your paycheck, your pay, which is you know maybe that was fine for nineteen. 19- <laughs> 55 yeah. but but, no, al- yeah, but also totally. yeah, George, yeah. George Abbott had a very clear idea but you see of what an he audience also came from like 1910 when yeah. it was like but also had an idea of what an audience wanted and needed in his stories you know i think a lot of times a lot of directors today because a lot of them come from the world of choreography and want to, and are so focused on moving things along i think they sort of forget that hey there there's a reason that it's busy you know, I'll, I'm gonna. I mean, jeez, oh, I because uh, I'm gonna say it anyway. I'll do just it, give. I'll give it. you an example of this that I think that I'm like. Well, I think this is sort of a loose, illuminating my point. Is in um, the most recent revival of How to Succeed, when they sang the Company Way and it's Finch and Mr. Twimble, and it's some of the funniest lyrics Frank Lesser ever wrote. You know, it was Daniel Radcliffe and I forget who the actor was playing opposite him while they were downstage singing the song and busily sorting mail, there was a whole mail room ballet happening behind them with people jumping and leaping and throwing boxes in the air. And you stopped listening to what the actors were doing and you just started to watch this ballet. And the ballet wasn't moving the story along. Um, The lyrics were giving us a really clear indication of what was supposed to be happening in terms of the development of the musical. But all you were watching was this ballet. Who knows? But it was a different, and I don't know why it needed to be diverted or why it needed to be busy. But I'm, maybe there is a reason for it that I am totally unaware of. Um, but that's 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 sort of my my concern. But the nice thing about this book is I think it reminds you that at the end of the day, it really is about the audience and whatever is best for them. It makes is the final answer. Love it because really you, cool. you. I mean, you know what it's like. You know, it's a. If there is a good idea in the room and it did not come from you, it does not matter. It just best doesn't idea matter. Wins. <laughs> the yeah. best idea wins. For the all, story. For, for the, the story the and best, the audience. Yes, the best idea for the story is always going to win. And it doesn't matter who came up with it because at the end of the day, it does not matter. Although I have worked with a lot of directors, to be honest with you, where if it's not their idea, even if it was the best idea, it's not going in the show. And yeah. I, fu- I don't know what the, that issue you is go. about. Yeah, I just no. don't know what that's about because that's an unfortunate part of uh, many businesses, the ego factor. So, yeah, you know, so I mean, hey, we got We have to deal with it too. It's crazy. Yeah, so keep the greater good. So anyway, I love the book. The book is called the showmakers, uh, uh, the great directors of the American musical theater by Lawrence L A W R E N C E. And I'm going to spell his last name T H E L E N. And I, I must apologize. T H E L E N. I don't know how to pronounce Thalen. Thalen. I'm Lawrence Thalen. I just don't know how to pronounce his last name. Well, um, I'm going to check it out. I'm excited about it because that sounds like really cool. Yeah. It's just, it's really interesting observations. There's a great story in here from Graziella Danielle on why she cut the most beautiful number from Once on This Island. Oh. Um, and, and the number, if you don't know it, is called When Daniel Marries Me. Um, and if you've never listened to it, it is stunning, but she brings up a really, she brought up a really good point, which is that it's, you know, um, it's not accomplishing anything. It's a, it's a five minute song that can be accomplished in one line. 
say you got to kill your baby sometimes, kill your dragons. Right. No, that, and we've read that a lot, or we've heard that a lot from yeah. people, from guests. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, well, that's mine, and right. yours is Pirate Jenny. Yeah, check out Pirate Jenny by Sasha Valora and others. Ah, till next time. Bye, everybody. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. Brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.